You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 32. Been beat up and battered round. Been sent up and I've been shot down. You're the best thing that I've ever found. Handle me with care. Reputations Hi, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is Connor with Josh Hello. and Ron. Hey. The three of us run iFanboy.com, which is a comic book discussion website where we talk about comics and all the fun things involved with comics. And we read our books every week, and one of us picks the favorite book we talk about on the podcast. And this week, Josh had the honors of doing that. Um, I thought about for a little bit maybe doing the whole thing in the voice of Aquaman from Maine. But I've, <laughs> I've decided not to. Uh, save it, save it. <laughs> it's the only thing people really want to hear. Save it for the next Aquaman. <laughs> that may not be coming. <laughs> we, we could be not thinking of giving it one more issue. Anyway, I had a big old, huge, heavy stack of books, and I keep picking it up and hefting it and going, I, I hope I don't have to buy this many books from now on because I, I'm not going to be able to afford it. Uh, but it was also a really sort of... It was one of those weeks where there was a lot of really good books... But the really good ones weren't all amazing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I had a, there was a really good issue of uh, you know Avengers and a really good issue of Batman and a really good issue of Powers and a really good issue of Daredevil. Um, it it kind of made it hard to find one that stood out. Um, but the more that I thought about it, uh, I decided to go with Daredevil '85 because it's sort of to me it's consistently staying really good. Um, and, and it's the story that's going on that I'm really interested in, probably more than anything else that's going on uh, in any of the titles right now. I, I really want to know how it's going to turn out. Um, as we've talked about, they are sort of, as I've said, killed this cliche ad infinitum, is that they're filling this powder keg with all this stuff, and um, you've got Matt in jail, and Foggy's dead, and Kingpin's there, and now the Punisher's there, and Daredevil's in there, or Bullseye's in there somewhere. Uh, and there's all sorts of stuff going on, and you really get the sense that that Matt Murdock is like completely on the edge, like he's he's really losing it. And they've set that up in other comics where, you know, the the main characters, you know, well, they're on the edge, and they're but I really believe it with this one, and because most of the time you, you're pretty sure that within a couple issues it'll go back to the status quo or whatever. And it's really, I think it's possible you could see this book going in a completely different direction at some like at the end of this run. It it could just be. You know, his life could be completely changed, and, and I would like it if they did something where they took a couple of years to get everything back to normal. So I like that they're taking their time with this story. Um, I, I think other than that, uh, it's just it's just a really high level of quality. There's all sorts of stuff going on. It feels like it almost feels like a double size issue because there's so much stuff packed in there. Um, and of course, you'd be remiss not to mention the art, which is uh, Michael Lark. You didn't really get everybody to appreciate him on, on Gotham Central, but I think people are really going to start to know him now. And I think he's going to get to be a really big name, which is good. Um, I didn't love this issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm with Connor. I mean, not that I didn't love it. I liked it, but I don't know, I don't yeah. know if it, I, I would have picked it, personally. It was a bit of a letdown after last month. Yeah, because last um, one was a big, was a big one. I mean, it was very good, and you're right, Lark seems to get better every month, and I, there's nothing I like more than looking at his pages, but uh, it was a bit of a letdown. I mean, it was really, the adrenaline was pushed to the edge in the last issue. Everything was thrown in the pot, Punisher, Bullseye, Bullseye's not even mentioned in this in this issue, and the, although the Punisher had a really good se- couple of really good scenes with, with, with Daredevil, it's still like, okay, let's go. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was definitely a, um, you know, like I liken it to like the roller coaster where the last issue was like I felt as if the roller coaster was at the very, very top and we're about to go downhill and, you know, it's going to be a lot of, you know, like, you know, high speed and fun, but it just got slower, this issue. It slowed things down, and maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's it's just part of the buildup, but... Um, I mean, I tend to think of it like like the inhale before the whole thing goes down. Yeah, because you know it's coming, like, towards the end, and, and the fact that it looks like Daredevil and Kingpin are going to have to ally in some aspect is, you know, just makes it even that more interesting. And maybe the fact that Bullseye wasn't in it just adds more to the mystery, although, you know, it seems like, you know, we got two pages of him in the last issue. It's like, okay, well, where is he? You know, like, what's Well, I the... think that, that, I mean... They don't need to take him out until the point where it will really affect anything, and it wouldn't. That's have true. He's probably yeah. in some sort of solitary maximum confinement. Yeah. It, you know, I, I hate to say this over and over, but if you read these, you know, right in a row, you probably wouldn't even notice it. If you think of it like like TV, you know, true. It would have been stupid to drop him in for a panel just to say, by the way, he's here. Right. Like, well, it's, it's, it's nowhere for him to fit in. I guess. They I mean, it's him. it's tough because it's almost like. Um, do you remember, I remember a couple of months ago there was that one episode of Lost where like all the stuff was happening and they just had like Saeed walk in and go, "Hey guys, what's going on?" And then he just like walked away, like he had, he had nothing to do with the story. And it was just like one of those where he just like nodded and then walked out of the room. And it was just like this random kind of like I guess they had to pay him that week, you know. So, <laughs> but um, I him anyway, so. yeah. <laughs> so the bullseye thing is kind of like that. I mean, he's lurking there somewhere in the background. It's just a matter of when he becomes to the forefront, you know. And I think it's a good. I mean, it's an indication of how good the writing is that we really want it to. We really want it to happen now. Yeah. And he's he's pulled back, and it's like, oh come on, you were going forward. It's such a tease. Oh, painful, isn't it? You 17-year-old girl. Is the, you bring this up. These are the things that I, I actually complained about about Lost for a while. So, <laughs> And I think... Um, I guess I give really... Rubicon more credit than I do the creative staff of Lost, but whatever. <laughs> I really just need to know who this. Derek yeah, is. I was just I was just looking at the page, the the the, the two the, the two pages that actually have them, and like that's getting drawn out. Like I'm really getting impatient. I want to know who it is. Isn't that great? That though? I mean, you really no, want to no. know? Yeah, I, know, I guess. I'm guessing it has well, something to do with Civil War, and and maybe. they're holding back to to time it with that, which could sort of negatively impact this, the, the story. Except he's already been in Civil War. I no, bet I know you that, but his the reveal of who it is and what's going on is part of Civil War. I bet you it's Hawkeye. Oh, I imagine. It's probably Captain Adam. It could be, though. <laughs> Captain Adam. I don't even know what happened. I know Hawkeye's dead, but I didn't read of that, so I don't know what actually happened. He's dead, basically. That's all you need. I mean, he he died. He died in the whole Avengers disassembled thing. I know that, but what happened to him? He flew into the... He flew into the, yeah. He, there was no body. He flew into the engine of uh, the Kree warship, or that then it blew up or something. Like he flew in to stop it from doing something, and it blew up. Or he got sucked in like a bird. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Ron, what would you have picked? Um, I would have picked the one panel when the Punisher's walking into the prison with with his stuff, and he's just got this badass look. That's your picture. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's funny. I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. And and I didn't. I I couldn't remember who it was. I was like, who is this again? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's tough about the skull. I mean, the skull does give it away. So it's the comic book face guy we were talking about last week. All dudes look basically the same. Yeah, yeah, and then without the costume, he looks like he looks like Batman. Yeah, a little. Yeah, he does <laughs> look like Bruce Wayne. But um, he's a Batman. <laughs> as far as far as my pick probably would have, I probably would have. Um, I mean, surprise, surprise, I probably would have ended up picking one of the Civil War um, tie-ins on the Marvel side. Um, two came out this week. It was She-Hulk uh, number eight and Wolverine number forty-two. And um, She-Hulk was good um, because it like it's playing up the kind of realistic legal aspect of what's going on. Um, 
former New Warriors Justice and Rage come visit her, and they want to sue a, a website that is published called uh, DestroyAllWarriors.com, and it's publishing the identities of the remaining New Warriors, and then those people are then being hunted down and lynched and having their homes oh, burned smart. down. So they're suing the people who run the website. The only problem, the only problem with it is that I just really can't stand that character Rage. And it just every page he was on just made me cringe. But it was nice to see justice. But it wasn't. Um, it was. I probably wouldn't. Would have. We're gonna picked... get letters from people who love rage now. Yeah, I know exactly. Interestingly enough, though, um, we did see a in hiding Steve Rogers. Apparently, he's hiding in the basement of a bookstore, kind of <laughs> like the French Resistance or something. It, where he, <laughs> How odd. Yeah, it's so weird. Like um, John Jameson's going is dating She Hulk. And he goes in the, the scene. The scene was so random. He goes into this bookstore, and there's this old lady, and he says, "Excuse me, I'm looking for a copy of The Greatest Generation." And she says, "Oh, our World War II section." You know, like like they're giving like each other the codes, and then she's like, "Okay, he said you'd be nice," and then open the door, and he's downstairs, and there's like he's got like a hooded sweatshirt on, and like there's like a one flashlight. Like it's like so. <laughs> but um, how could Steve Rogers be in hiding when he's perfectly out in the open in New Avengers? Right. Yeah. Well. Oh, <laughs> oh continuity. So. But um, basically, uh, he's asking uh, John to ask She-Hulk if she'll be on his side in this. And She-Hulk, She-Hulk's got an interesting point in this, is that she's split down the middle, where as She-Hulk, she's, um, she is for registration, but as Jennifer Walters, she's against it because of the civil liberty aspect, as the lawyer aspect. So it's, she's, 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 yeah, she's got a, yeah, well, she's her alter ego. I mean, she's She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters a lawyer. But Jennifer Walters and, is green-skinned, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, and the, I'm not, and I'm not really sure if everyone knows that she's Jennifer. Yeah, no, everyone knows that she's She-Hulk and that she's Jennifer Walters. Right. So it's kind of weird to have two differing opinions at the same time. But she's a different what person it? when she changes. No, no, she's the same person. So she makes the same That's sort weird. of decisions and the same sort of that doesn't. Yeah, but she's making a, she's making decisions as She-Hulk versus decisions as Jennifer the lawyer. What is She-Hulk's rationale for? Uh, Hang on, I'm turning to the page where she where they try to explain it. Oh, Ronald. Here we go. Here, here we go. Here we go. He says, okay, so she's at dinner with John Jameson, who I thought was dead, but whatever. He says, so let me get this straight. As She-Hulk, you've come out pro-registration. That superhero should give up their secret identities to the state. But as Jen Walters, you're saying the new, the new warriors should have, should, keep their, should have the right to keep their identity secret. And she said, from the public. That's fair. That's, she says, look, no matter what I've said as She-Hulk, I'm feeling a little conflicted. All, all the ties I have as Jen, this private life I've made for myself, I'd never want to lose that. So basically, she's saying that you know she's for registration if it's kept secret, but you know, but in terms of a public life, people should be allowed to keep their privacy. You know, sounds like she's not out though. When she talk, when it's she's got green skin. She's got. <laughs> <laughs> and she and she like is a and when she's a lawyer, she's a lawyer as She Hulk. I'm confused now. Look, that's She Hulk. No wait, she's wearing a suit. That's not She Hulk. Yeah. Anyway, I so- liked Jade a lot. <laughs> So anyway, um, but I wouldn't. Have, I probably wouldn't have picked that as my pick. I probably would have gone with Wolverine number forty-two, because um, it was really it was it was the it was uh, the first uh, issue in this arc that has to do with the Civil War tie-in. It's written by Mark Guggenheim, drawn by Humberto Ramos, who um, normally I don't like that overexpressive Chris Bocciolo kind of you know big mouth, big feet art. But I actually really like Ramos and like people like Mike Waringo and stuff like that. I really like it. But um, it ties like while She-Hulk happened like in the context of Civil War, this ties directly into Civil War in that there are actually recreations of pages from the Civil War mini uh, first issue of Civil War miniseries, but for, like from Wolverine's point of view. So like the same conversations are happening in the background, like at the wreckage when um, Captain America and Iron Man are talking. They're talking, but you're hearing Wolverine's kind of thoughts while he's helping with the wreckage. And basically, it all boils down to he doesn't understand why nobody's going after Nitro. 
um, who who did this. You know, basically nobody cares about the the event; they just care about the ramifications of it. So, so um, and after a funny little scene when Logan's in New York City at a sushi joint and the manager asks him to leave because people aren't tolerant of, of heroes anymore. Um, so he's kind of feeling the effects of the of the of the event. And so they show him at the um, the Baxter Building meeting from Civil War, and, and it's again it's the same scene and the same dialogue, but from a slightly different angle. You know, like everything's almost kind of turned 90 degrees, and you just see it from Wolverine's point of view. Um, and there's a uh, interesting couple of scenes where he talks to Iron Man, where Iron Man, where he says, you know, I want to go after Nitro, and Iron Man's saying, just let it go. We've got enough problems without one of us going out on a vendetta. Um, and then he talks to Luke Cage, and there's a you know. Logan gives his point of view about registration and why he's against it and makes a lot of parallels to Nazi Germany as well as, um, you know, makes the point to Luke Cage that a sentinel on the X-Men's front lawn is basically the same as a burning cross in front of Luke Cage's house, which is always a low card to play, but, you know, slightly true. And then he goes to Cyclops to say, hey, I'm going after Nitro, and Cyclops saying, no, don't, you know, we've got enough problems, we don't need you to, you know, to run off. Now um, everyone has to read it. Right. And it's actually, actually, I thought of you guys because Cyclops does deliver the line. That's a, that's way out of line, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a great, you know, like you know, like I I remember the old classic Cyclops uh, Claremont um, lines from the you know from the the good old days when he'd say you know can the snappy banter, you know like, <laughs> things like that. Oh, he's the fun killer. Yeah, but anyway, so so it ends with so it ends with Wolverine coming to the revelation that you know he's been an Avenger for a couple of months now, but now he finally has something to avenge, and it was a good kind of you know like it, this is going to be a good little subplot to the Civil War story if you ask me. So that would have been my pick. Have you noticed that Wolverine gets in? I'd say half of his fights in some sort of bar or eating establishment. He's got a lot of he has a lot of problems in those places. Well, the thing is, is that I, I mean, I think I mean, I think that's that's a common I mean, it's a common device for writing the character is that he's like five three, and looks you know like a, a mess and looks drunk, and so then when you've got like in this in this particular scene you've got a gang of Japanese I guess sushi chefs who who are outside waiting for him when he leaves the restaurant with like butcher knives, and he has the he he talks him down and then snaps his claws and they all drop their knives and go running. You know, like it's the same scene over and over again. <laughs> but it, is, is he still drawn as being five three? Yes, yeah, he is. Good. But yeah, which is which they should never change. I'm glad they they haven't changed that. But. Very good. I, I really like that. It's one of those things that I think is missing from the movies. I don't find it. I I don't find it lacking for it, but I think that if if for example if he just happened to be really short, that would be one more thing. Yeah. I'd be really cool about it, but it, you know. Wouldn't want to nitpick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Connor, what would you have picked? I would have uh, chosen Powers. I mean, I know it's the, sort of the easy pick, but I thought this issue, after a string of sort, there's been a string of issues where it's been, well, that was good, but not not more than that, because Powers has been so good for so long that it's sort of cliche to say. But I thought this issue in particular was 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 quite good, and I think the best of the stuff I read this week. Um, the whole part I think the best part was the part Dina Dina's got superpowers now she killed somebody and now she's feeling the guilt of using her powers for murder and while simultaneously invest, investigating a case of powers used for murder that's really you know I thought it was really really good you guys don't agree though well I, I do well yeah I thought it was good but I just my big problem was that uh, a couple of months ago we were talking about the we were when Powers was a pick and we were talking about the little model the opening and ending monologues at the Club Cinderella thing and saying how you know well you know be patient give Bendis a you know give Bendis the benefit of that it'll all pay off and that if this was the payoff then it it didn't pay off for me 
you know, like if this is the end of the arc and now we don't have these monologues anymore and the whole reason we had them is just to get the girl that um, Walker is now with to talk about why she likes him, it, it didn't pay off for me. Um, was it really worth I would, that? I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So, I mean... But I thought, yeah, I mean, taking that out, though, I thought the rest of the issue was really good. Well, um, yeah, I, yes and no. I mean, it's almost... I, I mean, I, 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 I do think it was a good issue, but I also think it suffered from the similar to the to what Daredevil went through where, you know, like, I know they focused on the, the effect of what, ha- you know, what happened to that girl and kind of from her point of view being questioned and Walker helping her and then them finding the guy who did it and whole deal, but they completely kind of glossed over the fact that now Walker is the, is this, has these powers again and is the, you know, planet's protector. Right, but it wasn't that's important for this this portion of the story. Yeah, possibly, but there was just there was just no mention of it. Like Walker wasn't just like you know that at once he's just like I can't believe this is this is all happening at once. You know, like I don't know. You I know just, it though; it's in the background. Yeah, I just I mean just I was just surprised to see no mention of it. But that said, I really did like the stuff with Pilgrim at the end where she was you know when when she was contemplating killing herself and the whole kind of flashback scene and stuff like that. I thought the layout was really good. Can I just? And I thought when it, go ahead. when they when they found the the, the suspect and he was dead from. His self-inflicted powers, um, suicide. Yeah, you know, I thought the note was just really, it really got me. I mean, the note he leaves because think about it: if you suddenly have got powers and you don't know how to use them, yeah, it's usually not in the wacky greatest American hero style. It's probably you're probably going to accidentally hurt somebody. Yeah, that is a great and story, I, by the way. A great note, by the way. Yeah. and it was really tough. I mean, I, was, that, I read the note. I was like, whoa, that that's. You know, yeah, I have to agree. Sad. I have to agree. When he said, "Please give them all my stuff." Like yeah. that was like oh that was that, that, that. on the page before you can see he has a, he has a, a big screen TV yeah yeah uh, big ass speakers a gaming system of some sort so it's not without value no I'm not just, not I'm at all just, I mean it may, I'm just flipping through this right now and I, one of the things that I don't think anybody ever talks about with this book the coloring in this book is astounding like the guy does it's all sort of in this grayish greenish tone and but the the whoever it is. Peter Pantazis. I mean, like every he does this diffuse glow to stuff that I don't see in a lot of other books. It's really amazing. Well, this is still one of the top-notch art books. Yeah, overall, the the art, the coloring, everything. This is this is a beautiful. In the in the there's a there's a panel where the girl is asking for Walker over and over again. And then that you you flip over and you see her running to his arms and he's standing there. That room has that sickly fluorescent color. Yeah. I didn't even think that was possible in comic book coloring. But if you look at it, everything's sort of glossed over. Yeah. Really, really interesting. That guy's that guy's good. Anyway. He's real good. So that'd been my pick. Um, Daredevil's good, not great. I didn't I didn't read Wolverine, but that now I kind of really want to, so I might buy it next week. Yeah, go pick it up. I mean, it, I recommend it. It was good. So. I've never heard of this Guggenheim guy, though. So. Mark Guggenheim, yeah, I never really heard of him either. But he, he, That's probably he, why I didn't I pick it up. I saw it, and I was like, meh, and, but I also had a ton of books. So. I, I know of his museum. <laughs> I do, I do got to say that, that while, um, you know, while the cover of Wolverine doesn't, you know, the, the drawing of uh, Wolverine is just like a pinup, basically, and you know how I feel about covers actually having to do with something with the, with the book. Um, I do like how Marvel is theming the covers that are Civil War tie-ins so that they're noticeable, like the bottom half being the solid color with the same font and the Civil War logo, and everything. I think that's really kind of cool. So That is a good idea, yeah. just to raise aware- brand awareness. For Did the, you uh, hear, um, there was an interview with Bendis where he was talking about the Marvel covers, and I don't think you're going to get what you want anytime soon. Oh no, I don't think I will either, and I've known this for several years. I mean, I know exactly what's going on with that. I mean, like, it, I mean, I know the rationale for it. It's just I don't agree with it, you know. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You what missed, is the rationale you, you missed for it? The, Well, basically, Bendis said that the idea behind these covers is they want it to grab you from as far away as possible and to have you see... If it's a Spider-Man book, they want you to see Spider-Man right there on the cover so you know it's a Spider-Man book. So if you're not a comic book reader, you can see it from across the room and go, that's Spider-Man. As opposed to the old ones, which would be sort of a freeze frame from the middle of the book that would that would have, like, dialogue or something that tells you what's happening in the book. Right, but that but that's a... That's a that's an extreme... True. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I don't know... I, I understand where he's coming from with that, but you can, you can draw a cover that is blatantly Spider-Man... And have it relate to the story at the same time, you know. And like, and I also I heard that same I heard that same in, um, interview with him where he was talking about the Powers covers, where they were talking about the Powers logo and how big it is, and and oh, through the through the time period they've said should we make it smaller, should we downplay it, or whatever. And he's always been like, well, no, because you can like he made the example in comic book villains um, that move that awful you know, self-loathing movie, but in the one scene in the comic book store, there's a, like, in the background, there are all the comics on the racks, and the one book you can tell is Powers because of the logo, because it's so huge. And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, while Powers plays with, you know, like, the recently we've been getting, like, movie um, homages, and previously we've had, like, record cover homages, they've also, they've done covers that have related to what's been going on in the inside. And I think Bendis' rationalization about Marvel's approach to it has a lot to do with production schedules and things like that, where often they just get a stack of pinup art, and they need to do solicitations four months in advance, and the story might not be done yet. And so it's safer and easier for them from a production standpoint to put on a cover like this Wolverine one where it's just Wolverine in flames screaming that has nothing to do with the story <laughs> than to wait for the story to understand what it is and have the artist draw the cover. In my mind, I mean, I'm not a comic book artist. I'm not a comic book writer. But, like, when I, you know, growing up, I had this idea in my head that they would work on the issue and then they would do the cover based on what was going on in the issue. And the cover always kind of led into what was happening inside the book. And you can still do that and have it be obviously Spider-Man. I mean, case in point, the, the Amazing Spider-Man issues a couple of weeks ago when he was in D.C. with Iron Man, the cover for that issue was Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Captain America on the couch watching TV. <laughs> Captain America wasn't even in the issue. What? He wasn't. He, it, was just, it was just Spidey and, and Iron Man. And that cover had nothing to do with it other than it being a, a wacky pinup of them watching American Idol at the Avengers Mansion or the Avengers Tower. You know who does covers really well? Who? Vertigo. <laughs> Absolutely serious. If yeah. you go, if you look at, uh, at the monthly issues of, of Why the Last Man, yeah, uh, they're always very artistic covers, but they do have they do refer to the story inside. Well, well, not even Vertigo, but also I mean I think DC more often than than not is is the same way. I mean like all the fifty two covers have been relative to what's been going on, and even like Green Lantern that came out this week, the cover you know it's it's Hal fighting other Green Lanterns, which yeah, in the is air, what happened, it, you know it, like. Well, if you look at X Factor, yeah, that was, that's a good cover, and it's also related to what happens in the story. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, we got off on a little bit of a rant there. Sorry Speaking about that. Speaking of covers, did you see this cover on the new Avengers, which does exactly what you were just talking about? And I hate it. It's an awful cover. It's an I awful cover. I, the art inside isn't as bad as this. I, I, this overly wrought muscle thing on Wolverine's arm. Yeah. Look at his. Who has that many muscles? Diodato's going down. I remember when Diodato started, and he was drawing Wonder Woman. And I, I was really impressed by his work, and since his work on Spider-Man and now his work on New Avengers, it's just like I'm just ready for you know McNiven to come back to Avengers. Oh, that would be very Keep good. Waiting. I know, yeah. Oh, McNiven. Um, well, now, now, I mean, once this storyline ends, they're going to go to a rotating. Yeah. Uh, when it's all tied in Civil War, it's going to be rotating artists. Yeah. Howard Chaykin's doing one. Oh, really? Yeah, he's doing the Captain America. Story. Awesome, sweet. What do we think of the new Avengers issue? I think I think my idea was that it was really fun, but 
it feels like this should have already been done a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago. Maybe a month or two ago. Yeah. Yeah. It should have happened right before Civil War because it ties in so readily to what they're they're talking about yeah. in the series. If if you if you're not looking at it from a continuity standpoint, I think this arc is great, and this this is what the Avengers are about. Yes. You know, and and I love, but the 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 clashes with Shield and it'll tie right into Civil War to build up to Captain America doing what he did in Civil War number one. It's just a shame that the scheduling was off. It makes more sense now. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. His his. Uh... Problems with the shield. Yeah. Plus the whole idea of they, they they unmasked Peter and they had a psychic probe his thoughts and reveal you know learn all of the secrets also ties into the whole Civil War debate. Yeah. And now you know it's sort of like. Eh. My one question yeah. is is that is is Tony in the suit? I can't tell. No, not not in this arc. He's controlling the suits from afar. But like, does he ever go in the suit anymore? But didn't they rip? Yeah, the yeah. He was in the, the beginning of this. He was in the suit and then the guy kicked his ass. So then he unleashed all of his. Remember he unleashed all of his armors and he was controlling them all from the rooftop? And he had like Remember the video scene? game sort of uh, panel where he was sitting cross-legged. Was, wasn't that the annual? No. Or he did that in both issues. I'm getting them mixed up now. Yeah, me too. See, and this is why the continuity's messed up. Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> well, I got the impression that he was not in this. Except that he's naked. Like that's what I understand. I don't. He got the armor ripped what, off. What I don't understand is that, like, like in the in the in the in the page two and three splash page, he's flying into space, and and there's a panel where he's naked in front of like all these screens, and then below that there's a panel of Iron Man, and yeah, he's not contro- he's not in the suit. He's controlling it from that from that console. See, right, but is that console in the suit? That's what I'm talking about. What? No, the suit's normal sized. I'm so. This is so. It's not like a super big. Iron I need man. to go dig back my. I'm going. I'm going into the back issues. <laughs> you think it's a giant sentinel-sized Iron Man? And he's standing up. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm saying is that is is the shot of him naked in all those screens like a virtual representation of what he's looking at in the suit? Oh, no, no. He's actually. He's actually he's, in a control room somewhere. He he got the armor ripped off him. I think he decided it was safer if he wasn't in the armor. Oh yeah, because the last issue had the cover was the armor being ripped off of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. All right. We've got to do our homework here, people. <laughs> well, and I keep thinking that Sentry is Quasar. <laughs> Quasar, Quasar, by the way, has popped up in um in uh, Nova. So, still lame. Still lame. <laughs> there was a Quasar. It was a Quasar series a long time ago that I bought. I actually really liked it for whatever reason. Didn't he work like an African? I don't even know enough about it to go. Didn't he? Nah. Oh well. Let's talk about Green Green Lantern since we talked about it already. Oh yeah. So um, Green Lantern. What did you think of that, Connor? Well, Ron and I discussed this before the X Men movie. I didn't read it on Wednesday because I wasn't sure that I hadn't missed an issue. I thought, I thought, well, every other comics one year later book has had three issues, and this is only the second one I remember buying. Did I miss one? And there's and there's nothing worse that when when you actually read it that backs up that feeling. Yeah, the first couple of pages, I was like, but, but. Okay, I don't understand what's happening. So I I put it down and I went to the comic store again the next day and I didn't find any other ones. So I guess I didn't miss one. It's you know, that's, only that's, says, a, says a lot about the book. Yeah, it does. Because <laughs> it completely um, didn't pick up from the last issue. <laughs> I would say the, I really like the art. It's a good it's a good solid Green Lantern art. Yep. Style. Um, Jeff Johns just can't write Hal Jordan. It makes me sad, but that's just it seems to be the case. It's, it seems to be the it's the Bendis Wolverine syndrome. Yep. He can he can write everything else but but Green Lantern. That nobody that nobody seems to um want to address Bendis not being able to write Wolverine. Oddly enough, uh, um, it seems that Johns's yellow uh, 
Impurity is, in fact, the Green Lantern. (laughs) 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 What was great was the delay. (laughs) To think about it. He did say it, didn't he? Yeah. (laughs) Here's here's my biggest problem with this issue. This whole issue revolves around the fact that uh, Hal Jordan is on Oa, where all the Green Lanterns are, hanging out in the calf. (laughs) Which is great, um, by the way. I love that. (laughs) Those scenes are always good. I like how and, they have trays. Come on, the green yeah, lanterns, they don't need trays. It's like college, the dining hall. And they all hate Hal Jordan because he went crazy and killed a bunch of green lanterns many years ago. Except for the fact that half of the ones he killed are eating lunch in the cafeteria. The other half he finds at the end of the issue. It doesn't make any sense for them to hate him for killing people who are now alive again. Especially since it wasn't him who did it. I mean, it right. was him, but it was because he was infected by the parallax, the yellow impurity. I mean, it's, it's just it's just silly when they're all they're all beating on him for being this murderer and three you know here's Kilowog, and oh he's not he's not dead, or the or the orange guy even more more so because yeah. that was the big battle between him and the orange guy and in, in the parallax thing and and it's it's kind of negated that he's alive, and you don't really have to bring back these Green Lanterns. I mean, I know there was a big cry for a Green Lantern Corps mini ser- or series, but well, there is. Uh, I mean, there yeah, I know that, but but if you can the Green Lantern. You know, concept is enough that you can put new characters into the suit. Yeah, I agree to that. I agree to that. None of these, none of these people that he killed, except for maybe Kilowog, were people that you needed to bring back, or people that were really sad to see go. You know, I can't, I couldn't tell you anybody's name on the last page where he finds all the, you know, everybody else he thought he'd kill. Yeah, I mean, they're the, they're the background, they're the background alien yeah. Green Lanterns. You know, like it. Just have them be dead, and then then you really have some weight to the storyline of Hal trying to find redemption. Yeah, you know, God forbid. If they're all alive, what's what's the? Big God problem? forbid anybody from Heat is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Don't come to my house. <laughs> Please. What he, wait, what did Heat stand for? Al's Emerald uh, 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 Action Al Team. <laughs> Something. Heat were the. It was like this really awful web page that's been up for years. I don't believe it's up anymore. I think it's gone. Yeah. Uh, they, they they won. They don't need to be around. They were, the, they were trying to get Hal back. They hated Kyle. They, they did Kyle win. was stupid. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know what I do like about Here it is, Hal's Emerald Advancement Team. Hey, oh, God. stupid. <laughs> but here's my thing with Green Lantern. It's it's not very good. Um, although... This one was better. I do... This was better. This is certainly better than the the pre-one-year-later books. Mm-hmm. And I do like the twist at the end with the cyborg Superman being uh, still around. But, I mean, really, if it doesn't, if it doesn't get any better... Uh, I'm not going to continue about it. Well, I think the, the question is, do we really, really need to see him fighting Manhunters again? No. Yeah, that, that, Does that still hold any relevance to anybody? Well, it just seems as if as if all of the, the recent um, Green Lantern stories like over the past couple of years have just been all Manhunters. Like, I feel like I'm so sick of seeing Manhunters. It's like, uh And the first one year later book held a lot of promise because it was sort of different. He was They played up the cop aspect of being a Green Lantern and investigating, and now it's just back to him fighting Manhunters. And hey, let me ask you, does, blah, do, blah, blah. do either of you know anything about this this couple of pages in the middle uh, in in France where there are some really lame... Crimson DC? Fox? Yeah. What the hell's that I about? think that, that's the tie back to the, previous, to the previous issue, because in the previous issue, Hal was chasing some bad guy, and he went into, um, was it Russia or whatever, whatever some other country who, yeah, who didn't want him in, and, and, and Green Arrow chastised him and said, you know, you can't do that, and, he, and Hal's like, hey, I'm, a, I'm defending Earth, not countries, and it's all kind of like the superhero kind of um, boundary type thing, and I think this, this group is being 
organized by the other countries other than the United States for that like for that sole reason. I see. The Global Guardians, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it had nothing to do with anything that was going and on. And some of the worst costumes I've ever seen. I agree. Yeah. They were they were totally like 70s costumes. Yeah, that, that was that. Well, you didn't like the little wrap around no. the uh, South African guy? No. With his junk all hanging out? Oh. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> or the silly, silly hood on this girl. I mean, honestly. Well, she's she's been around for a yeah, while. Yeah, she has. Yeah, the the the, the snake way, girl. That, that doesn't. There's no. There's no excuse. She's the fox, and she's foxy. <laughs> fox vs. five. Oh, we've talked about this one enough. And also, just one little. I hate these kind of covers. This sticky, glossy cover thing that they put on the. Green oh yeah, oh, the, the cover stock. The cover stock. Yeah, the the um the glossy kind. Yeah. Yeah. The glossy, almost plasticky kind of kind. Didn't yeah. they do that with Ultimate Spider-Man for a little while? Yeah, they did oh. back in the beginning. Yeah. Ugh. So. Ugh. Uh, this is this is the cover nitpick episode. It, it don't is. get me okay, started. We, we, don't we, get we, me started we, on the Ultimate covers with those stupid bars on the side. It's <sighs> a trait. You know what though? You recognize them. You know which ones they are. They probably could have done something better, but it oh worked. yeah, because he just said don't get him started. Because the because the word Ultimate above Spider-Man doesn't do it. <laughs> so, uh, Ron, uh, Ron, you didn't read Batman, but you did, Connor. Huh? I did. Huh? Segway. Uh, Batman was actually very good. It was. It was um, actually up there in sort of my pick of the week thinking. The the whole issue is Harvey Dent arguing with his inner Two-Face. Harvey's been cured for the, I think, the 18th time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's gotten plastic surgery, and he's no longer evil, and he's been protecting Gotham while Batman and Nightwing and Robin were off traveling the world, and now he's suspected of murdering a bunch of low-level supervillains, and this whole issue is basically basically Harvey arguing with himself, um, because he's got a split personality, and it's actually really quite good. The second page in, where uh, basically Harvey, from the, from the first page, you like look at the building from the outside, and you see sort of uh, voices going back and forth. The second page in, he's looking down at a cracked mirror, and there's a reflection of himself as Two Face in it. And it says, "You aren't getting to me at all." That is my. That's my page of the week. It was very good. It was a great. Wouldn't you? I'd love to have that piece of art. That's really good. And the art was really good. Um, and I thought the, the the way this guy portrays the the burnt flesh was really grisly. Quite grisly. Sort of, you, you forget that it's actually just his burnt skin with little crispy bits falling off like fried chicken. Yeah. Um, and I, and Batman is in it in flashbacks. I know Josh had a little problem with that. I just think that he was a little too lighthearted. Like he's making these cracking jokes about the creeper. He's, I don't know. It just didn't well, it was like it was Batman. sort of a dry and dry Batman joke. Also, like may I add, I know that Batman's a little more lighthearted now, but this Batman is Batman from before one year later. True. And so he was still grizzled. That's true. As it were, I'll, I would I would say this. I thought about this last night because I watched Batman Begins, and just to cl- clear my head of bad <laughs> movies. And um, if you think of him more in that vein, mm-hmm. the vein that they portrayed him in that in the movie, sort of, he's still still dark and brooding, but not not the grunting, you know, sneering Batman of the last few years. Just sort of, he's still Batman, but but also somewhat of a human, right? Think of the so Christian Bale Batman, and that that's sort of okay. I think more what they're I think that's what they're going for in this post one year later. Well, um, and I don't think it has to do with the movie. I just think that's the, the tone they're trying to hit. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, basically, uh, I really like this issue. I, I like it a lot. However, um, I think my problem with it is is still going to be that you had this opportunity to use Harvey Dent in a new way, and uh, right. they they went back to the status quo immediately. 
Yeah, I, th- these things are never fully explored. It would be much more interesting to have Harvey be ha- cured and good for a good long period of time, and then when he does eventually go back, as we know he must, it's that much more powerful, <laughs> as opposed to just in the course of the story, he he goes, you know, three or four issues. Well, wouldn't it be fun to do, you know, to do Harvey, you know, f- for a couple of years or you know, six months or something like that, and actually see him in this. I mean, I guess maybe we'll get that in one year. We'll get that in fifty-two, possibly. I guess mm, that's it's possible. Um, it's a- analogous, I think. Analogous, I think, to White Queen mm-hmm. in X Men. I know Ron doesn't like that, but she's been uh, quote unquote good for a couple it's, of years. It's now. been ten years. Right. It's been ten. Yeah, years. Uh, she she went good when they started Generation X back in the mid nineties. She doesn't wow, feel any less menacing now, though. You still like read her, and you're like. Is she, is she really on our side? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's been ten years, and I and I've been waiting for the turn, you know, which looks like it's happening. But I mean, but yeah, I mean that that's a great point, Connor. That that's uh, they they carried that, that that on for almost ten years now. So and it's much more. It'll be, it's going to be much more satisfying when she does go back. Yeah, as opposed to you know she was good for three issues and now she's bad. Again. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, doing it again. Yeah. And the next time so that I'm... Harvey goes bad, then we're going to buy it even less. I mean, it goes good, whatever it is. Maybe he'll be well, good he as Two Face. I guess you couldn't be. Well, he poured that acid on his face at the end, so I think it's oh, I, See, I would have liked to pitch a uh, miniseries featuring uh, good Harvey Dent. Wow. Like the Gordon of Gotham series, but... <laughs> no, it's all gone I love now. that series. Uh, on, on an aside, I just found that the Heat website does still exist. It's at glheat.tripod.com. <laughs> and on, on their policies page... Their last paragraph says, Heat, as a group, does not have any official standing or opinion on Kyle Rayner or any member of the current Green Lantern creative team. Because <laughs> it, it got pretty hairy back in, like, they were, like Ron Mars was getting death threats and stuff like that. It was yeah, pretty, were, it was pretty bad. Allegations of uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty kind of funny. But they, they, it's funny because I don't know when the last time this is updated because they make no mention of the fact that he's back. Is it still the same page? No, they've, changed, they've updated it a little. It's a horrible use of frames. Um, but... Um, <laughs> And it was kind of funny because there is a there is an article on Pop Image that I don't know if it's a joke article or not, but it, it looks like it was right around the time when Hal Jordan was brought back, and it's a statement from somebody who was on who was a member of Heat who quit um, because <laughs> the quote is. Um, <laughs> You can't write this stuff, by the way. You can't, and this quote is genius. It's a, wait, hang on. It says, After much consideration, I've decided to remove myself from heat as I've come to the conclusion that Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just genius. It's too funny. <laughs> oh, well, what can you do? Uh, I think that probably wraps up this week's books. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I, I did want to bring up, uh, before we get to the mail, which we will very, very shortly... Uh, we had a thread on the on the on the site, uh, ifanboy.com. Oh, I just plugged uh, where I was, we were trying to figure out if there was any indie books worth going out and finding. Um, and and the conclusion is that there is not. No, there's not. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, Brian Wood books that people recommended, and I'm not a, t- a typical big. I'm not a fan of his his work for whatever reason. Uh, I don't really like it very much. But I did go out and pick up Supermarket on somebody's uh, recommendation, uh, which Supermarket number one. From IDW, who is pretty much the only publisher left, I guess. Really nice looking book, but it's sort of more of the same with Brian Wood for me. It's all this anti-consumerism stuff, and it's not that that's a bad thing. I just feel like he's done it a hundred times, and I don't really want to read it anymore. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's definitely there's definitely like a well that Brian Wood goes back to in terms of his his background of you know kind of in you know indie 
kind of, you know, punk living, you know, type thing, like, you know, defend Brooklyn and all that kind of stuff, and I think he falls back on that and just does it in a, in a, a different spin, be it in the future or in some different kind of situation. It's just, but, an, it's sort of an angry style. But, yeah, it, it definitely is an angry and style. I, but, I don't, I don't have that much anger in me anymore for it. So. But, but I, but I do gotta say that I was, I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm still impressed by Demo because it still had that, that kind, same kind of tone, but I felt as if it was uh, more of a stretch than he usually takes. And I, I think the sa- and I think the same thing came of local. So Josh, if you can go find an issue of local, try picking it up. And, and I've flipped the through them and tried yeah. to find like there's only been like a couple of them available, and they weren't like number one or anything. So yeah, I did read I'm demo. Sure I like demo soon. more than I usually do his work. Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with Becky Clunan's art. So, yeah. but um, I've actually only read demo. That's the only thing I've ever read. Yeah. He does get really good artists to work for him. Yeah, but the the point of the whole thing was that there's not there's not a lot of indie stuff out there that's that's grabbing people for whatever reason. I know Ron Ron before we went to see the X Men movie, Ron tried to find. Yeah, it. I spent 45 minutes in Midtown Comics, and I went through pretty much every comic on the shelf, and nothing. Like I'm looking. I mean, admittedly, like when we talk about looking for indie comics, I mean, like I'm. I mean, they're, they're indie comics are out there, and, and and I think on the post, some people mentioned that a lot of them are going in kind of the horror vampire kind of 30 days of night. You know, kind of angle, and I'm not really into that genre, so I'm not really that interested in it. So, like, what I'm lo- what I'm looking for is like the next re- the next Strangers in Paradise, the next Stray Bullets, the next Blue Monday, the next kind of you know like black and white conversation relationshipy, maybe a little bit of crime, but not you know not overdoing it. You know, the next Kane. You know, like that's the kind of thing I'm looking for. So, um, I don't know. It appears it appears it's in a downswing. Right yeah, it now. does. Maybe that's an opportunity for someone. So. You find an artist. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So so let's let's move on to our mail. Um, every, each week we get a bunch of you know listener email. We love it. So please keep sending it. Um, uh, this week we start off with an email from Peter, um, who uh, was kind of mentioning the fact that he's like many of uh, our other users on ifan on ifanboy.com are people who are coming back to comics or trying comics out for the first time and don't really you know haven't read everything that's out there and here's a lot of names about um, uh, different titles and things like that and he's basically curious about um, he gave us a list of some titles and wanted to know what we thought of them a kind of a brief description and if we could compare it to another book and basically trying to guide him as to what he should look into in terms of back issues of the types of titles that people should have read um, so that said his first one is Sandman okay I'm the only one who's read that and basically Sandman is by Neil Gaiman and a whole bunch of really good artists um if you are into, basically, it's about mythology and the stories that make up culture, and how that relates to these characters, the seven members of the Endless, one of them being Dream. And what does it have to do with the Cure? <laughs> Nothing to do with the Cure. Uh, if you like, uh, if you happen to have read any of the Lucifer books recently, uh, and you like those, those are good. Another really good way to find that, if you'd like it, is there's a new series coming out from Marvel. Uh, yep. Eternals, written by Neil Gaiman, and if you like that, chances are the Sandman will be about five times better. Yeah, I mean, it's def- it's definitely it's definitely up on the kind of fantasy mythology realm as opposed to you know superhero-y kind of thing. So I've never read it, but I've I've heard I was gonna buy the trade, but then I heard that they're thinking about doing an absolute edition, so I decided I'm going to wait. <laughs> Sandman, you whore. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll come out in volumes, like they're doing. Christ, I've just I've gentlemen. I've got through eight now. <laughs> there's, there's ten. This is it's the Lucas method of marketing. Anyway, oh. all right. So the the next title is Preacher. Which uh, I think we've all read, and we all would say, go is go buy it now. Um, Black humor. Uh, yeah. It's funny, but it's epic, and it's big, and it's 
buddy comedy road movie. It's like every genre you can think of. Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it t- touches there. on a lot of stuff. I mean, it has to do with basically making God accountable for, you know, stuff he's done, which is pretty cool. God, yeah, God has left, and, and the preacher gets the power of a god. Uh, and so him and his best friend, the vampire, and his girlfriend go on the road to try to find God and make him answer for what he's and, done. And wacky shit happens. So it's, it it's, certainly it's, does. One of the best. If, I mean, I think we're all in agreement. One of the best comics in the '90s. So, um, the Invisibles, um, Grant Morrison and rotating artists, including Phil Jimenez. Um, I haven't read it. I've never read it. I read the first trade. Um, I didn't love it. It's Grant Morrison's strangeness. Uh, a lot of people think that this is the bee's knees. Uh, it didn't really speak to me. It's very trippy. It's very strange. It's, uh, you know, it's beautiful art, again. Uh, not my cup of tea, but if you go, you know, you, you will find no shortage of people who really love it. So if you like that weird Grant Morrison stuff, um, any of his recent sort of vertigo work or anything like that, you know, the filth or anything like that, if you like that what stuff, was the it. What was the, the film or TV show that he said ripped off Invisibles? I can't... There was something a few way to, years ago. Way that... to kill the podcast with an answer no one knows. <laughs> well, if someone knows the answer, write us in. I remember a few years ago, there's something something relatively popular. Uh, took a lot of concepts from it. That I sounds think. vaguely familiar. You're right, though. I don't know if he accused them or people accused it. Either, either way, it was kind of a to do for. Well, a if bit. he anyway, had, they wouldn't have understood him. What <laughs> you want to rip off a show light? Anyway, so <laughs> so um, the next one is um, American Flag. Uh, which I think I'm the only one who's read it. Um, yes. it, it. This is from back in the early 80s. Uh, Howard Chaikin, who is a comic god, um, and it uh, it's a kind of a post uh, not post apocalyptic, but just kind of neo future um, story. It takes place well in the future when uh, America and corporations have kind of abandoned the earth to the Soviets and the um, Islam- Islamic factions, and they've po- and Americans and corporations have populated Mars. Um, very political. Um, but it's one of those things like you hear people like Bendis and Brian K. Vaughan and these great writers talk about their influences and Warren Ellis, their influences. Howard Chaikin is, and this book is one of the things that have influenced a lot of stuff you're reading now. Um, he also asked if, if it's even available in trade somewhere, and it is indeed available in trade. If you go to Amazon.com, you can pick it up. Um, I strongly recommend it. I strongly recommend it to you guys too. So. Um, I, I've, I've thought about it for a while. I yeah. just, you know, it's the kind of thing that's always there, so you forget. I borrowed it from somebody like ten years ago, and that's when I read it. I've been meaning to buy it myself, so maybe if I get it, I'll lend it to you. But um, so, and then the last one is Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Oh, I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was The Matrix. Oh, really? There was something really popular that <laughs> that was out a couple of years ago. I'm scanning my mind from WB shows that it. Did. I know. Yeah, me too. I was just like Mutant X. I don't know. The Matrix, the Matrix, the Matrix. Now I remember. Okay. Go ahead. Next letter. All right. Next, ne- next uh, title that Peter wants to know about is uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. I, uh, I have uh, the five trades of that. Um, it's not Vertigo, but it would be if it was out now. I think Swamp Thing is actually Vertigo now. Wasn't like the thing that influ- that, that that almost started Vertigo with Swamp Thing. Sort of. Yeah. It, it's the precursor to it, I think. Yeah. Um, and be- uh, Constantine be- came out of that. Didn't yeah. You? Constantine was was introduced in that series. Um. Basically, Swamp Thing is at its surface. It's a it's a it's a horror book, is is what it is. And uh, but it's like psychological horror, and it's Alan Moore, and it's actually sort of Alan Moore's underrated work because it's very early. Um, it's really really good, and the, I, I say this all the time, but like, and, but the art on it is amazing. It's John Tottlebine and then Rick Veach art in some of the later issues, and it's it's a great series. I, I actually can't recommend it highly enough. It's something that I think a lot of people have read. When does Dick Durock come into this? The who now? 
and Adrian Barbeau. I've never seen them. I've actually never seen that movie. <laughs> uh, Thank God. I'm just checking. I, oh well. I have a spare hour and a half for that. <laughs> All right, so Peter, so there's some um, guidance on those titles. Uh, hopefully, you'll go out and pick up Preacher first because that's the Preacher. That's, preacher, that's preacher. the one we all agree on. So, all right, so our next email comes from Vert, um, who uh, is from is writing in from Michigan. Um, and he's a big fan of the podcast, as usual. Uh, he brings up an interesting kind of dilemma. Um, he buys his books once a month via the Internet, and I assume via a website that sells comics as opposed to just the general Internet. He, but, he's the only one who's mastered digital delivery. Yeah, which is amazing. Anyway, um, and he was saying he does listen to the podcast, though, on a weekly basic, basis and likes listening to hear about books that he doesn't normally read. Um, and he understands that there might be an occasional spoiler or so when he is on, online reading comic book websites or listening to a podcast. But the problem is, is that um, if we go into a great deal about the inside of a Superman comic, the chances of that happening again in less than a month are pretty slim, so the book doesn't come out more often than that, which is okay. But the um, chance of us spoiling fi- a book like 52, which is coming, in, coming out weekly, um, we've got four times of a chance of ruining, for, ruining it for him because he's waiting uh, uh, till the end of the month to get read all four books. Um, so he's just basically saying, can we keep the plot details on things like 52 to a minimum? Connor? Uh, well, I'm, I'm certainly sympath- I'm certainly sympathetic to his situation. I mean, if he's getting his books once a month, there's not much we can do about that. But on the other hand, this is a review show where it's hard to talk about books without talking about their plots in a review show. As opposed to a preview show. Right. On the, the other hand, yeah, on the other hand, we didn't even mention 52 this week. So Yeah, so I mean, it, it, the thing is it just came out, so it's kind of a buzz, but it's, there's going to be 52 issues of it. And I really don't think that we'll talk about every issue. It's like this week, we didn't even touch upon it this week. So. And I'd have to apologize to him because if, if it warrants mentioning, we are going to talk about it simply right. because that's the show. So what I would suggest to him is um, not to walk away from the show. Yes. But to just, when, when, if, we, if we mention 52, just dial the... Skip ahead. Dial ahead. Skip ahead a minute or two. and we'll, tr- we'll, tr- you know. we'll try to remember to warn you, Vert. So when we're talking about 52, we'll say, Vert, skip ahead five minutes. Yeah, so. that'll last 52 uh, weeks. Yeah, that will last. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just I, I would I would think that you know well, for you most might hear about of it I mean, once th- a month. Th- thus is the nature of the beast. I mean, for example, I was in a media blackout for X3 and for X Men: The Last Stand. I didn't see any of the previews. I didn't see. I, I saw the trailers, but I didn't see any of the clips they were showing on TV or anything like that because I wanted to see it in the theater for the first time. That was a choice I had to make. So I couldn't. Boy, was that a mistake? Yeah, boy, was that a mistake? But I didn't read any reviews. I didn't read anything that had anything to do with spoilers for that reason. And that's the choice you make, you know. So anyway, so. But we will. You know, we're not going to talk about it every week, as evidenced by this week. And just skip ahead, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Our last question comes from Dustin. Um, who wants to know our, our take on the issue of exclusive creators. Not from the point of view is, in terms of is it damaging for the business, but more from the fanboy point of view is what creators exclusive to one, what company would you want most to switch sides and on what book? And he says that we can't answer Bendis Malieve Bendis on Daredevil because that's too easy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, Bendis Malieve on Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, Bendis Malieve on Batman would be good. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, Bendis Malieve on Captain Marvel. <laughs> Bendis Malieve on Gotham Central. Bring it back. <laughs> oh, that would be good. I know. Wow, good one. <laughs> Winner. Oh, I, I don't think you can talk about this without talking about the business end of it. Yeah, I mean, it's okay, so, it's tough, and it is especially tough because a couple of years ago, uh, pretty much every email we got from the comic companies was about who they exclu- signed to exclusive contra- contract, and it just got to be annoying. Two years ago at the Comic-Con, so it was all boring. the news coming out. It was like this battle of exclusive signings, and it's like so annoying. And it's and I guess it's okay, for the, it's good for the business because it gives the artists steady work, and they can get benefits and all the stuff that they need to do and all that kind of thing. But It's really good from a freelance point of view. I can totally understand doing it. 
But um, but from a fanboy point of view, it kind of sucks because like I remember when Jeff Johns went exclusive to DC, and at the time he was just starting his arc on Avengers. It was good, and it was good, and it showed a lot of promise. And now we'll never see that. So. And we joke about Bendis, but I would I would like to see his his take on. It. I mean, he he is Mr. Marvel at this point, in the, in the way that Johns is Mr. DC. But I would I would like to see his take on some of the DC stuff. Bendis is Mr. Mar- Mr. Marvel in a way that is approaching how Stan Lee is Mr. Marvel. Absolutely. Yeah, he's becoming the Stan Lee of the 21st century. Yeah. Wow, is that an out quote? So. <laughs> anyway, so put that on your tray paper back, Bendis. <laughs> so, so, um, so Dustin. I mean, basically, I mean, we we get consistency of of artists, and we get you know, you know, kind of good runs. I mean, like if Bendis wasn't exclusive to Marvel, I doubt we would have Ultimate Spider-Man running a hundred plus issues with the same creative team. Um. So, can but, I, I I can proffer an example. Sure. I would really like to see Car- uh, Kirkman do some work at DC, but because I, I think his style really fits in with some of the stuff that's going with DC, but then at the same time, he would lend it a bit of maturity that I think it lacks from time to time. Yeah, that would be interesting. Kirkman's a little more loose, he's a little funny, he's kind of open, but at the same time, his stories are really strong and really tight, and I think that a lot of times the some of the DC stuff gets a little wacky, but if you could put uh, Kirkman on a book like... You know, Titans or, or uh, one of the younger characters. I guess that's cliched, but he can kind of. I would say it. that Invis- that Invincible sort of marries the Marvel DC styles. Yes. Yeah, I can so see that. It's very it's very hybrid esque. Yeah. I would also proffer Greg Rucka on a Captain America book or a Shield book or a Nick Fury book. Something espionage. Yeah. Espionage. Yeah. I think he'd do a really really good Captain America. I think once didn't he say once at a con that he, that was his dream book? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he did. Yeah, at one maybe of everybody else says Doctor Strange for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. what is that? I I don't know. Um, they ask anybody what book they want to do. It's like I really want to do a good Doctor Strange arc. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the challenge because he's stupid. I guess I got one that will blow you guys away. Okay. What about Jim Lee on X Men? But I'm punch. Anyway, so um, that wraps up our listener email. So if you have a question for us or you want to hear our take on something, just shoot us an email at contact.ifanboy.com. And, um, you know, and also, the, we, we do get a lot of emails, and we can't read them all on, on, on air or on, the, on MP3. But um, uh, a lot of you have also taken to kind of emailing us about our takes about things we're, we're talking about on the boards. And so don't hesitate to come to ifanboy.com and post your thoughts on, you know, on the threads. Um, we have I, to put our views out publicly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, while you know, while we love you know, while we love talking to you offline, it, it's a lot easier to to take it to the public forum. Um, so please don't hesitate to do that. And and it really, when you go to ifanboy.com, it's not a bunch of people who say you guys are totally right. No, it's no, not. it's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we like. It's yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, everybody else, everybody gets a chance to stick their opinion up there, and it's you know. That's why so, there. so we had some very exciting activity on the Frapper map this week. We're at 165, yeah. and we got some more international uh, mush from Madrid in Spain, who also claims to be from Africa. Uh, that's a bit of, of a debate, but he's, he's got his pin in there. Sean Kelly from Bayo, New Jersey, who says we've been served. Uh, I think you all understand that. Deborah from uh, Missouri. Uh, oh, no, Arkansas, Arkansas, sorry, Arkansas. Yeah. And Mark from Portland, Oregon. And also Kevin Williams from Missouri, <laughs> who uh, we suspect is not the actual screenwriter, Kevin Williams. but that's Kevin, cool Kevin Williams' son? <laughs> if you are indeed Kevin Williams and you're in hiding in Missouri, we won't tell anyone. His name's Williamson. 
Is it? It's the wrong name. Oh, you're right. Oh, it is Kevin Williamson. Kevin. That Jill. shows you how far he's fallen. Yeah, exactly. What happened? Remember, he was the shit with Scream and all that. Man, he was like 98, 99. Yeah, no, yeah, 97, 98, 99. Jesus. Yeah, you're right. So anyway, so um, if you want to push J.J. Abrams. Yeah. yeah. J.J. Abrams is now. It was him, and now nothing. Um, if you want to stick your pin in the Frapper map, just go to Frapper, F-R-A-P-P-R dot com slash iFanboy, or go to iFanboy dot com, and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link to the map. We're kind of halting on the slow push to 200, so yeah, we are, if you're are, out there and you've been thinking about going, oh, God, I sound like public radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and finally, if, you know, like we mentioned before, come to iFanboy dot com. There's great discussion about X-Men The Last Stand and... and um, and other comics that came out. And speaking of X-Men The Last Stand, we did a special edition podcast about our views of the movie. Um, if you're just rolling into work uh, today and downloading the the latest podcast from the feed, you might have missed that podcast, so go back to iTunes and look and see. You might have to download it manually. Um, it's polarizing. Yes, it is indeed polarizing. So, um, But yeah, but come to iFanboy.com, share, let us know what you thought of this week's books or this this week's movies. And, um, or anything, really, anything we're talking about these days. Yeah. And if you want us to talk about something or send us something cool that we can put up on the site, please do. We've got we've got a lot of good stories from that. Yep, we love the tips that that helps us helps us help you. So, <laughs> well, we for those of you in the states, we hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend. And everybody else, keep cool. Okay. Keep cool. Everybody else, they have a holiday in London at least. Something. They're just copying us. They're off on Monday. Yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> Uh, thank you Have very a good week, much. Everybody. All right. Overexposed, commercialized, handle me with care. I'm so tired. Next to mine and dream.